Good, glad you're here. And uh, welcome to the Bible Institute. Hope you are plugging in and enjoying it. Uh, remember, we have um, you can come and hang out with us, and we're working through Contagious Christianity right now, uh, which is a book by Bill Hybels. I have copies of the books up here. If you don't have them, you can get them, and uh, you can be reading those. If you're taking a course for credit, uh, then uh, you should be listening to the lectures on the uh, our online BibleInstitute.org website for um, making disciples, and um, we're three weeks in. So, um, and if you if you didn't know this is your first time taking those courses, remember all the Trinity courses that we take. They encourage you to download the final up front and have it with you while you listen to the course. Really, it's a great deal. All right, so. If you've just started doing that, you download the finals, you can have that with you, listen to the lectures, answer the questions, and there you go. <clears throat> and uh, 20 courses with us, get you an associate's degree, 40 gets you a bachelor's degree. If you started with me and are doing the Trinity courses, 16 of those earned you an associate's degree from Trinity, all right? And if you did the Kingdom of God course with me, I'll give you one truth, too. So there you go. Great deal. And then we'll just start plugging away. For those of you who want to go on and get your bachelor's, or you can just come and hang out when you want, listen to online when you want. It's just a great opportunity to learn at whatever pace you want to do that, okay? So, that's good. Um, I hope you're enjoying the lectures. If you listen to the lecture, I think they're very interesting, and uh, it's, it's good stuff. Um, but Dr. Wise is doing a good job with the lectures. I am uh, working through this book with you um, from Bill Hybels. Uh, I like the book. It's been around for a while. Um, I like the approach, and um, and so I think we can learn a lot from it. Um, and you should have read now through, if you're reading along with us, uh, chapters five. Yes. So last week um, we were talking about you know the formula that's in the book. Remember, formulas are what they are, you know. But but it's HP plus CP plus CC equals MI, and that means high potency, close proximity, clear communication equals maximum impact. And throughout the chapters that you continue to read on in the book, he'll be describing those areas in detail. Uh, and um, the idea was that, you know, really in light of God's grace and mercy, how could we be anything else but um, people that want to be contagious Christians? And so how do we live in such a way that uh, our, our lives impact the lives of others? For the gospel, if you were here this morning, you know I said that's that's a huge part of of what we do is knowing you know how amazing it is to uh, what it means to be in Christ should impact us to the point where it starts to impact people around us just because of the reality of that truth in our lives and what that means and how God sees us and and that it it should be you know expressed through our lives. this amazing mercy and grace of God. And, and uh, you know, that the we have an enemy who doesn't want us to experience life uh, once, we've, once we're even into the kingdom because he wants to keep us from impacting the lives of people around us. But, uh, you know, in the book, he's talking about, you know, how do we have a maximum impact so that we can uh, live this life for him in a way that, you know, really makes a difference in the world around us. So we're talking about, you know, evangelism and what that looks like and some of the ideas that we have and maybe challenging some of the ideas that we have, which is always good and where we end up with. <clears throat> and uh, I have uh, 
two scenarios I want to read to you. They're not on your list. I've got them. I've got to read them to you. All right? So, here's two different scenarios I want you to listen to, and then uh, you're going to think, um, you know, of these two, which best describes evangelism? And uh, what do you see as the difference in the two scenarios as a rate to evangelism? All right, so here they are. First one. On a mission trip, the church members have traveled to another place or even another country, usually to a place of much lower standard of living than they're accustomed to. The members have separated themselves from the time and other restraints that drain them consistently in their daily lives, and their hearts and minds are on God's work. Most of the people in these places need something physically and spiritually from the mission team. Evangelism is natural and easy here. Rejection would matter little because there would be little concern or influence on the person's life who was witnessing. That's one scenario. Another scenario is this. Uh, The local community where church members live, work, and are involved in their children's schools and activities is a different thing altogether. Most of the people here are just like them and live basically in the same standards of living. Time is of the essence here. Everyone is rushing and scurrying around to get all the tasks completed. Most of all, our lives in many ways seem the same as everybody else. And the the difference in, in the two things is this. Uh, you know, sometimes we, we have the idea that um, uh, it would be easier to do evangelism like it is if you go somewhere else to do it. Because you're, you, you have different, you know, you, you maybe you get to step away from your activities. Uh, you get to focus solely on that. Uh, and again, the impact of, of, you know, if people accept you or reject you, you're not going to be there long. Uh, and so you, you don't have that working against you. Um, and, and so, you know, it's just a different scenario if you've ever experienced that. But when you're talking about evangelism in the place where you live and living for Jesus and, um, you know, trying to make a difference in the lives of people that you're with every day um, for the kingdom in a way that, that you know, actually makes a difference, um, that can often be a lot more difficult and a lot harder. And yet, it's really what we're called to, because we don't get as many opportunities to go away and do this thing as we do to be here and just make it a part of our lives. And so, you know, the, the, the reality is, or, or the difference to me is, you know, what, um, which of those things is, is really evangelism, you know, more like, and I think it's, it needs to be more like the second one, that it just becomes a part of our normal daily Lives, something that we do, something that that uh, just sort of flows out of us and into the world around us, because we're trying to be the things that we, you know, we're talking about in the book. We're we're trying to live with, you know, as salt and light in the world around us. We're we're trying to engage in some relationships with people that don't know Jesus. Um, and again, not. Uh, I always want to be careful with that because I think if you engage in relationship with someone, and your only goal is to win them to Christ. You come off as disingenuous pretty quickly, especially if you're not going to stay in for the long haul, because, you know, will you still be friends if they say, well, I don't want anything to do with that. Um, And I think we need to engage in relationship with people where we certainly want that to happen. But are we willing to wait 10, 15, 20 years to see it happen? Um, If at all, maybe it's at the last moment that it happens. But your consistent life um, as, uh, you know, in relating to them ultimately makes a difference. And so I just think it's really important that we understand that, that um, evangelism isn't, you know, something necessarily that we go and do in a different place, you know, like on a, on a mission a trip where we certainly can do that. 
But it, the reality is it has to become part of our regular and daily lives. And so um, we need to, to move into those things uh, wherever we can. And, and, uh, and so last week, you know, I, I was, uh, I've got a couple of verses for you to read there. But last week I gave, those of you who were here, a handout that was sort of a self-evaluation on, um, on your style of evangelism, and I, you know, I, I encourage you to take that thing. If you weren't here, you obviously couldn't have, but you'll pick it up as, you know, you'll get the idea as we go. Um, and I know some of you are busy, and I give you those things, and maybe you didn't get to it, and that's okay. I'm not going to judge anybody, but, but uh, uh, so I'm not even going to ask you who did it, because then I'll feel bad for people that didn't do it. So um, that's like the, the pastor who was teaching his group, and, and uh, he went in, and he, he assigned them at the end of the election. He said, okay, everybody, next week I want you to read Mark chapter 17. And uh, come back for discussion next week. And then he opened the class up. He said, how many of you did the reading in Mark 17 last week? And they were all like that. And the joke about that is there is no Mark 17. Uh, <laughs> but it's, I always think about that when I go, oh, so you, I, I don't want that to be on you. But if you did happen to, I hope it was sort of give you a little um, clue. Let's say this. Anybody who did do it, um, why don't you, if you did do it, it's all good. Why don't you tell me what you came out as uh, of the six styles. Jets in the back. Okay. Good. Pat? Interpersonal. Good. Artist? Okay. Good. Bob? Testimonial. Okay. Marilyn? Okay. Good. Tom? Okay. So there, there's, there's six styles of evangelism that are sort of noted in the book. Uh, and, um, you know, there's obviously more, but it's, it's a nice little list just to kind of see. And, 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 you know, it's not to put one over the other. The idea is that it's okay to be who you are in the process and then realize that there's some differences. But, but what works for some in sharing their faith and the gospel, doesn't, it, it doesn't fit everybody. And, and the idea is to be free enough that you don't have to, if that's not your style, it's okay, don't, don't use it. Use the style that is what God's given you because people need, people respond to different styles. You know, I think I told you this story last week, but some people really respond to a direct approach and, 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 you know, extremely direct. And some people just pick up on that immediately. Other people would reject that just carte, carte blanche. You know what I mean? Boop, the moment you started. No, no way that's going to work. So they'd need someone that came at them from a different spot. Um, and, and sometimes I used to get uncomfortable when I was with people who had a completely different style than mine because I would think, oh, uh, I can't do that. Did I tell you my story? I told you last I can't remember who I tell what to anymore. That's probably not good. <laughs> I, told, I used to go into the jails all the time and do ministry, right? Did I tell you this? And so every week I was in the jails. Yeah, okay, so I was in. The, so we went in every week, and I had this guy that used to go with me, and um, he was he was just very very direct, and and uh, it was just the way he came at things. And I, I didn't. I preach the gospel. I tell people the deal, but I come at it a little differently. So we would go into the jails together. And I'd take my guitar and I'd sing and do a Bible study, and then I, 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 um, you know, then I we we try and lead people to Christ. But my friend Larry, he would get and he was like. Wherever we were, and so at the jail, you used to have to go up on this elevator. His favorite thing was to have someone else on the elevator with us. 
And as soon as the door shut. So, uh, wasn't hello or anything. Do you know Jesus? I mean, just right there and there. And you can't get out of an elevator, you know what I mean? And I was amazed at how often he was engaged in conversation. Then every once in a while he would get nothing. And I'm like, oh man, that's really making me uncomfortable. Because, you know, a lot of these people... So I'd be trying to build relationships with all these people to get used to me so that at some point in time they would they would start to know who I was and what I was doing, that I would have an opportunity to begin to share with them. That's more my style. I'm going to build relationships. Like, so I go to a bank, um, and I've gone there for years, and it doesn't have a drive through And people always say, why don't you change banks? And I'm like, because I have to walk into that bank. And over time, I build relationship with all those people. And generally, over time, I'll get them all start coming here. I'd like to say I get every single one of them into the kingdom, but that's but I will get them at some point to start to come just because I go and talk and smile and ask them how they're doing and look for opportunities to be kind. What can we do? And uh, uh, of the of the three that are there all the time right now, every one of them will come by from time to time and come to church. But, you know, that's over. T- that's but that fits me. Right. Where other people would just step in and jump all over it. And I'm always thinking I've been you know, I've been working this area for a long time. <laughs> You come in and mess it up with your directness. But uh, <laughs> but that's not my deal. I don't have to worry about it. I just got to do what God calls me to do. And and that's good. See, what they should really do is free you to, because some people need that. And then I would be surprised sometimes. I guess he would be so direct. And all of a sudden, someone's getting coming to Christ. And I'm like, well, I didn't see that happen. <laughs> not yet, but good. Glad it happened. So <clears throat> all the styles are valid. And... Um, I think it's just helpful to know, so I just want to go through them uh, today, and uh, we'll look at them. So the six styles of evangelism. Um, the first one is confrontational. Confrontational. Uh, you know, and uh, uh, the biblical example is uh, Peter in Acts 2. Peter stood up, raised his voice, addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. And, um, and, and so some, you know, you kind of ask yourself, why did this style of evangelism appeal to Peter? Uh, it fit Peter. Uh, it's just who he was. he was. He was, you know, fisherman, and he was kind of to the point from what we understand. And um, that's, that's what he used to do. So, uh, and so contemporary styles of people who use this today that, that are fairly well known. Um, I, I would say like Billy Graham was somebody that most of you know is fairly confrontational in a very kind way. But Billy Graham would go into a big town. They'd invite people in. He would stand up and preach the gospel and say, you, you know, you need to get saved. And uh, he would sort of conf- confront them on things in their life and where they were going. But he had he earned respect. You know, Bill, Billy Graham was somebody who for 40 and 50 years lived this thing rightly. And the longer he lived it, the more uh, you know, the more impact he had. Because people were looking at him, so he could start to call people on that. But he did it. He did it really well. Um, if, you've, if you've never heard Billy Graham, you should go back and listen to some of his stuff. Pretty good. Uh, and had huge impact all over the world. So, um, he was, you know, he was sort of more confronted. But um, you have to have a lot of tact and respect when you confront people. Um, there's a way to do it that's appropriate, and there's a way to do it that's not. So some of you might um, have, have be you know, sort of leading in that way. Another, uh, the second one is intellectual. And uh, 
Paul often used this in Acts 17, 2 and 3, as his custom was. Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and proving that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. So Paul used the Scriptures in a very... Paul was like a brilliant guy. Knew the, you know, the scripture, the Old Testament, uh, and the, you know, because he'd studied to be a, a rabbi, um, and he was extremely intelligent and very persuasive uh, in in his reasoning with others, and so it impacted, you know, a lot of people on the journey. Um, and so, if if that's you, if you, that's wonderful. If that's you, again, that's not usually the way. Um, you know why I, I so, so I is. With, with the help of the Holy Spirit, I can generally engage in those conversations, but I don't remember facts the way some people do, and I and so I hit I hit a loss. Like if you know some really intellectual people have this data bank of facts that I don't have, and I'm like, oh, I I know I heard that, and I know I could just figure out what those facts were. I could lay it on you, but um, I can't always get to that. And again, it's just not my style. Uh, it doesn't. It, my brain doesn't work that way. My, I wish it did. I guess. I don't know. I'm pretty happy the way my brain is at this point. But uh, (laughs) I often used to think, I wish I could remember all that stuff. And when you talk to some of those people, I love talking to those people because I'm like, ooh, that's really good. Um, Modern day examples like Josh McDowell just has this wealth of stuff that sticks with him. Josh McDowell. Yeah. Um, You got a guy here that he showed in time, wrote that book, Gravity. Mike Edwards. He's got a lot of this information stored in there. And, uh, Knows his stuff on those things. And, and so, you know, sometimes I don't like to go after in that direction because I hate it when someone gets me. <laughs> and they just have a question that, I, you know, and I'm like, uh, and I have to think about it. Um, but it doesn't fit me well. Where some of these guys, Mike Edwards, if you took one of his classes, he's got a guy whose video he watches, Frank. Um, do you remember? Did you take his class, Bob? You sit on those apologetics classes. Back on, yeah, there we go. So this is not your style then either. I'm going, yeah, yeah. He's got, a, he showed these videos by this guy named Frank somebody. I'll think of his name. The guy was amazing. And in these videos, he was on college campuses and would just let all the intellectuals ask him whatever they wanted. And he, boy, he had it, man. And it was so amazing. And he did it so well. So, so, um, uh, he, he just because he had so you know it, it worked for him and we obviously need those people um, in, in the in the community and in the kingdom that are really good at that but it's just not all of us and the, the real trick to that is not becoming argumentative that's really important because that that doesn't work and that's hard not to get to that spot um, it takes again that guy Frank was one of the best examples I saw that he just didn't he was never ruffled and just was able to Stay on course with the facts. Um, early, early on in my Christian walk, I got into a discussion with a guy, and it quickly o- over something ridiculous. I don't even remember what it was now, but it quickly got heated up, and we were arguing in Jesus' name, kind of. And uh, my wife walked in, and she goes, "What in the world are you doing?" <laughs> and I'm like, "Well, we're we're having a," di-, and it was horrendous. And she goes, "I don't think that's going to work." And uh, it had no impact at all. So you've got to be careful that you don't become argumentative in the process. All right. A third one. Testimonial. Some of, some of you said that was you here. Um, 
And, and an example here is uh, uh, the blind man in John 9. They brought to the Pharisees a man who had been blind, and they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God, they said. We know this man is a sinner. And he replied, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. And so he just gave a testimony of what Jesus had done. Life. I don't know. We, you know I, don't, I just tell you, know, that's what he had. This is what I know. This is who I was. And this is what happened after I encountered him. And you go from there. So, you know, that's sort of the testimonial style that most of us ought to be able to engage in, you know, from time to time, um, because we we can tell of what's happened in our own lives. And in our culture, our story is pretty important. It's amazing. People, a lot of people really do, because of how things are now in our culture, want to hear your story. So never doubt the power of your story as it relates to what God has done in your life. And... Um, just let it be what it is. You don't have to embellish your story to think that it needs to be better or worse or whatever it needs to be. Just let it be your story. Um, I know some folks who who um, who think that they lost out on this testimonial deal because they don't have all of the garbage in their lives. Like you know, in my when I start to go into my testimony, there is a period of drug addiction and all sorts of garbage that's in there. Which people that don't have that think, well, that makes your testimony have more of an impact. And because their testimony is they grew up in a Christian home, were loved well. <laughs> they sort of just, you know, they, they don't remember not being a Christian, but know that they've made, you know, that, that thing. They're living for Jesus and they've lived their lives that way trying to do that. And they think, well, that's a boring testimony. I've had people tell me, I said, that's a great testimony. Because, that, you know, I, so people from my angle are looking to think, see, it's possible. So that so when we come in now and we start trying to raise our kids, we have a hope that there's a there's a life for them that doesn't have to go the route that we did. But if we didn't know that people did it, right? so it makes a difference. So your testimony is powerful for whatever it is and whatever it looked like, good, bad, wherever you're at. Powerful thing. A contemporary example of this style. Uh, you ever heard uh, of uh, a Joni Erickson Tata, uh, the lady who was a skier, and then she had a terrible accident and ended up in a, a quadriplegic? Um, if you ever get a chance to read any of her stuff, powerful story. Solid believer. Makes a huge difference. Johnny, J-O-N-I, Erickson. That was her name, and then she got married. Tada, T-A-D-A, or... Ta-da! <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. That just came up. Sorry. Uh, interpersonal. Interpersonal. Here's the example of that. Luke 5.29. Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house. And a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. Um. So interpersonal, this is just all about building relationship with people and living life among them and uh, hanging out with them and allowing them to be who they are uh, and just trying to allow your life to have a slow, gradual impact on theirs. Uh, and, and so it's engaging in relationship with, with uh, people that are around you, your neighbors, you know, you're having a barbecue and inviting the neighbors over just the way they are, and just kind of being uh, and learning about them and 
not trying to change them in the moment, but knowing that it's going to be over time. And so that's the idea of an interpersonal sort of gathering. And I think it's, you know, it's, um, it's a very powerful tool. Um, you want to be on guard to, um, um, in those interpersonal relationships, the, the time will eventually present itself where, where the gospel will need to be shared and don't pull back when the time comes. So, and regardless of what happens, when, um, <clears throat> so when, when I was 19, uh, I'll give you just a, a moment of my story. So when I was 19, I, like I said, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. Um, we never went to church. I, I don't ever remember being in church. Uh, as a teenager, I remember, take it back, a couple of times going with a friend because I spent the night at his house to the Catholic church. And it was a joke to all of them. Uh, and at that point in time, not picking on the Catholic church. Don't hear me say that. But we went and it was just, a, it was just something they did. Uh, and because I was there, I had to go. And that was, so that was my sum total experience with the church. <clears throat> when I was 18 in college, I sort of half heard the gospel, but I tuned it out because some campus crusade person had come and was talking to my roommate and inviting the room, and I was upset that he would brought him into the room, and so I basically tuned it out. But that was the first time I'd ever even heard a glimpse of it. Um, after that first year of school, that summer, I, um, I went and worked on a power plant in Midland, Michigan, and I met a guy who um, befriended me and... <clears throat> he worked in the apartment I was in. And the way he befriended me was this. So I was a young guy. I was on my own. I was renting this room um, during the week for $7 a night. And uh, it was basically a bedroom, access to a bathroom, um, and that was it. So and it was $7 a night, which I thought was a pretty good deal back then. And, you know, I was working all summer long to save money for school. I was on this power plant. And... uh, and so my plan at the time was I would eat dinner, me part of this story, at the Pizza Hut for three ninety nine, because it was an all you eat buffet, might have been two ninety nine back then, and I would I would hurt the Pizza Hut every day <laughs> for three dollars, and then I wouldn't eat again until I got back to the Pizza Hut the next day. So because it wasn't a refrigerator, it wasn't convenient, just okay. And I was you know you can do that stuff when you're younger, and I, so I would eat all at once at one t- just really power up. Uh, and this guy, Bob Miller, never forget him. He saw at lunch that I, I was just kind of hanging out and sitting there. And uh, he had two sandwiches. And he said, would you like a sandwich? Said, of course I'd like a sandwich. So he gave me his sandwich, his, his second sandwich, uh, which I thought was really cool, right? And we struck up a friendship. Now, I've got to tell you, that was the sacrificial sandwich because every day after that, he brought three sandwiches <laughs> and gave me one. So there was some sacrifice in the fact that someone was making a third sandwich for me, but he was getting his two and he was giving me one. He brought me the sandwich every day, all summer long. And then, um, and he would, and I was really rough, just rough, uh, and, and into all sorts of stuff I shouldn't have been in. And, and he was a Christian man uh, and a nice Christian family, you know, and a nice wife, two kids, serious church attender. Had a Bible study at, at work there, and I used to laugh at that because he would go off once a week or something and leave this Bible study. I kind of chuckle at the people that are going in. What a waste of lunch time. But um, that was him, and he never, he just kind of kept bringing me this sandwich. And he actually would start, he invited me to his house, started taking me over for dinner once every couple of weeks. Hey, why don't you come and have dinner with the family? And I was rough. He had two little kids. 
And uh, I just kind of got to know him. And, and uh, throughout that first summer and the second summer, I was, went back and he was still there. And he started bringing me the sandwich again. And um, uh, there was an accident on the power plant that I was involved in. Um, and that's a whole other story. I'm not going to get into it. But I, I survived that situation. And that day, he had me over to his house at dinner. And after dinner, he said, okay, let's talk. And he sat me down and he went through the entire gospel with me because I'd had this sort of experience that kind of opened me up to that. And um, he led me through the, I mean, he did a really good job. Great. And I've still, he's got the, he had this big, thick, you know, the big, thick Bibles he used to have back then. This was a big, thick King James. And it was his Bible, man. He had it, he had it underlined and highlighted. And this guy was, he was into his thing, you know. And, and he led me through the gospel. He did a really good job with it. He got me to the point. And he said, you know, you need to, you need to ask Jesus in your heart and change your life. And I, I, he had me close. And, and I, 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 you may have heard me say this. The reason I didn't say yes at that point in time when I was 19 is I couldn't see how they had any fun. My idea with fun was partying and doing all those other things. And I'm like, I just don't see how it's fun, how, how this works. And I said, I can't do it. And he, he, he kind of, he said, okay. And he, he, uh, he never stopped being my friend, but he gave me that Bible that night. Great, big, thick Bible. And I wasn't a believer. And somehow that Bible stuck with me. All the, the next five or six years were really went off into drugs and all sorts of other stuff. And that Bible was in my trunk. And every now and again, I would go and pick that Bible up for some reason. And I would try and read it. You ever try and read a Bible when you're not saved, especially a King James Bible? And you start at the beginning, right? That's where you're supposed to start it. And I would get about a page into that. All right, I don't get that. And uh, it, it didn't make sense. Um <laughs> But at the point in time, uh, like six years later, another series of events and in another situation, um, and people were talking about Jesus again, and all of a sudden, everything that he'd said and done and all those things hit me, and that night I gave my life to Christ, just on the side of my bed. All right, if you're real, Jesus, here I am, take me, and things began to change. But a lot of it was because of that relationship that that's all he, he just had relationship with me and when the time came he shared the gospel with me and even though i said no he didn't stop being being a friend to me um while i was there and the same thing happened but um he didn't he also didn't hesitate it was a good time to share the gospel with me. he almost got it it was really good but uh i look back at it and go oh i should have i wonder what it would have been like if i'd have got it then but you know timing is everything god knows what he's doing so um but very powerful and still remember, and I still have that Bible. So that was, that's almost 40 years ago. Got that Bible still. Yeah. Quite a thing. All right, invitational is the fifth one. Uh, Philip in John 1, 45. Philip found Nathaniel and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And so he, you know, he, he invited him to come. You know, he was saying, come meet Jesus. Uh, but you, let's go over here and meet him. It was more of an invitational style. Just something they're more comfortable with. And, and also, I think, very powerful and can flow into a lot of things. You know, we do a lot of things here to get people to invite people to come here. And it's really not because I'm trying to make a big church. Um, we want opportunities to present the gospel to people, and it gives us those opportunities. And, and so a lot of times... Just the corporate activity and the presence of God softens people's hearts in ways that you can't have happen in other ways. They just get 
I still I love to watch that, you know, all the time. I don't know if you if you get to watch people though that come in here that are, we have a lot of people that come here that aren't believers, which I'm very very happy of, and they're all in all sorts of places on the on the road. Um, but I love it when we get somebody new, and they come in and they're crying, and they don't know why they're crying, and they'll come to me and say, "I can't come back here anymore. Why not?" Well, every time I come here, I just start crying. I said, "Well, you you definitely need to keep coming back. <laughs> it's really okay. That happens sometimes, and uh, it's because you know the presence of God is here, and it's and it's just speaking in ways they don't understand. But there's <clears throat> There's in, in people's lives, um, there's a there's a point, you know, if, there, if, there, if there's a line, say, on a graph, on a scale where, you know, where you cross the line and come into the kingdom, there's there's all these places on this line before you get there. And so a lot of times we're just trying to bring people along closer. Now, there might be an event that takes you from like a minus five all the way over. But a lot of times, you know, you're back at a minus 10 and something happens and you meet somebody and, it, and you're, now you're minus 9 or a minus 8. You're still not there, but you've moved, you've nudged closer. And then you, it's a process, okay? So, so be aware of the fact that it's a process. So every time that happens, it's another encounter. I've had people that come and say, you know, I came here a long time ago. I didn't get it. But then I got it. Now it all makes sense and it was such an important part of what happened. Um, you just never know what's going to happen in the process. Surveys show 25% of unchurched adults would attend if they were invited. How about that? Pretty big number. So that means uh, one out of every four people you know might come to church if you invited them. It's a possibility. That number goes way up Christmas and Easter. And we always, that's why we always talk about having something, you know, invite, invite people, invite people. But in general, a quarter of the time. And that's, you know, they, that's... You know, all the stuff that you see when you come here on Sunday mornings, from the bagels to the breakfast to the Pop-Tart, the, is in the coffee, is so that you can, you can, hey, when you come to church, we can have breakfast. What do you mean? Well, they've got breakfast over there. Just come and hang out. Come and get a Pop-Tart. Get a coffee. It's free. Come and sit. It's all done so that it makes the inviting part a little easier because it's a, it's a helpful thing. So, and a valid thing. And then serving is the last one. Uh, Acts 9, 36. In, in Joppa. There was a disciple named Tabitha, which when translated is Adorcus, who was always doing good and helping the poor. And so um, serving people is another way of helping them into the kingdom over time. It's oftentimes it's what opens opportunities for us to share with them the good news that we have. And so we, that's why we do a lot of the stuff that we do too, like $1 car washes and Free ice cream in the ice cream truck and free movies with popcorn and some of those other things. We, we think we're serving people at a place where we can meet them in, in ways that they don't expect it. And it, it does present to us opportunities to ultimately share the gospel with them, which is the goal of, you know, it's really what we want, right? That's our mission. One more. How do, what, everything we do, how, how do we get one more into the kingdom of God? And so uh, if, you, if you were able to take those uh, surveys and, and that helped you um, sort of with your style, that's cool. If not, you can probably figure out sort of where you think you are um, in those things and uh, what that looks like. Uh, and, you know, just ask the Lord to help you in all of them. And, again, don't limit yourself. If you say, well, I'm this, don't, don't think that you can't be any of the others, too, uh, and, and be willing to see how they fit, you know, in your, in your whole process. Uh, Again, that's the only thing I worry about, that you all of a sudden think you can't be anything else. Well, this is, I'm always going to be 
confrontational. I don't think you will be. Um, I think if that fits you, you'll probably be that more than not. But don't think that that doesn't mean you can't serve or invite or any of those other things. And uh, same thing, you know, you, you may, as someone who's very interpersonal, um, find yourself in a discussion where you're having to help people, you know, do the best you can with easing their questions and that God will help you in that process um, because he will. So that's, uh, that's good for this part. Uh, this week you need to read chapter 6 and 7 in the book and uh, keep listening to your lectures and stay on top of that. And um, I think it's some really good stuff. So, so please keep doing that. And, and don't forget your impact list. Uh, keep praying for those people. I, I said, you know, write people down who you know that don't know um, the Lord yet, who you would like to see come to know the Lord, and be praying for them on a consistent and regular basis so that they come to know the Lord. Okay, uh, I'm going to stop talking. Everybody, I want you to stretch your legs, so take two or three minutes and uh, say hi, stretch your legs. If you need to leave, um, that's fine. You can go ahead and leave now. We'll take right after that. We'll sit down and do questions if you have any before we go. But um, stretch your legs. Stand up. Do the hokey pokey. Turn yourself about because that's what it's all about.
16. All right. Anybody got questions? Got very quiet. Very quiet. The Steelers are winning 13-12, in case anybody's curious. It's uh, with 12 minutes left in the fourth quarter. You're up to the moment. It's Steelers and uh, they're playing the Broncos, right? Wow, that's a close game. And last night the Cardinals beat the Packers. Yes. And we have a lot of Packers people that come to church here. They were disappointed. Okay, questions? We might have sat back down for nothing, which is okay. Yes, Marilyn? Yeah, so, you know, every, and, yeah, personality. We all have different personalities, right? But the, that's okay, and God knows that, and so he creates people with different ways to go after it. We're not cookie cutters. That's the whole idea. I think, that, you know, one of the things he's really trying to get at, just be authentically you and let God use you that way. Yeah. Well, it's when you're not, it, people, yeah, it's, it doesn't come off well. If you've ever tried to be somebody you're not, it's not. It's not very comfy. Yes. I think a lot of people have trouble talking to their families because it can be so uncomfortable, but it's conversations we need to have. It needs to be done rightly, too. So, again, that's over time. I always say, you know, when I first got saved, I was pretty excited because of what I'd come out of. So um, I, I wanted to tell everybody I couldn't, you couldn't, you know, 
My, my wife used to shake her head because I'd walk up to people and say, I was a drug addict, but now I know Jesus. And, and that was kind of my opener. And uh, <laughs> she'd be like, do you have to start with that? It's what I got. So um, that first year in my family, um, that Christmas, I gave them all Bibles. And uh, it wasn't well received. Because <laughs> um, that's, that's not who they were. And then, you know, that I think in one of these lectures, either in the, in the either I read it in the book or it was in the lectures, um, he, he actually says that there'll be a lot of people in your family who just think it's another fad for you because they've seen you go through so many already. And so they don't take it serious. And so for some of them, you just have to live it out for a long time before they go, oh, maybe maybe this isn't a fad. And for, you know, who knows what that how long that is for them. It depends on how long your other fads were. Uh, Tom? Yeah, based on the situation, sure. And you can tell, you're, you're right. And, and sometimes, that's why I said I don't want people to get too pinned into the style, but, because um, there may be times when you need to, the Holy Spirit will prompt you that now's the time. And so you have to be, you know, ready for that whole sort of situation um, and what that looks like. And, 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 and so it's, there's a sensitivity involved. Like even with your friend, you tried, and then when you, at some point, you got to go, okay, I'm just, I won't, I won't poke it. Yeah, yeah, no. But, but, yeah, but, you know, that's just sort of, I call that a strategic sort of pause. <laughs> and because we're never finished, but you've got to wait for a different opportunity, right? And it will present itself. People, it, it tends to, I believe that keeps coming around. People being drawn. You know, the Holy Spirit's doing the work. He's drawing them. we just got to be ready to do our part when the opportunity comes. Pat?
some people have have very negative experience with the church. And so anything that connects to the church, they're very suspicious of. And um, it's unfortunate that that there's there's a lot of that out there. So sometimes you're just dealing with that. So they like you, but, you know, they can't figure out because they, they're not connecting. They don't see it the way that you do. Keep you in her friend and invite her to something that's not church. I mean, invite her to some things that aren't church and go do those things with her. And then you never know when it comes back around again. Because she probably thinks it's a trick or a trap or, you know, yeah, yeah. It's so, yeah. Yeah. A, a lot of people have an extremely negative picture of the church. And uh, that's what's happening. Hang on. You were next. No, that's good. That's that's why we should be praying for those people, because it might be somebody else. They may need somebody that's not you to to ultimately speak to them, because for whatever reason, they weren't going to hear it from you. Bob? It might rub off. Remember, we, we did spiritual warfare first on purpose. There's a huge spiritual battle going on. You know, the enemy doesn't want people to come into the kingdom. So whenever, you, whenever you're getting opportunities, you know, you got the, we gotta, we're on the right side of this whole thing. But you, when you hit resistance like that, it's, a lot of that's very...
there's a lot of the issues now with culture and school and all the things that they do and the teachers that you know it's just so contrary and becomes very difficult the enemy's hard at work trying to keep people blinded but god's hard at work drawing people in so it's just you know just the process we're in did i see a hand over there Yeah, yeah, that unfortunately happened. But you, but and you would find people though that would say that they've had we're we're that group. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Larry, did you have your hand up? Well, there you go. But you're back now. That's funny. Yeah. All right. Yeah, artist. But listen, I, I think this is this is true. Um, there's a balance in life, and so you have to see being with those people as ministry. But there's also times when you withdraw to rebuild and refresh and renew. Jesus would do that; he'd get away from it. Great compassion and want to be around people, but the only way he could continue to do that was he would get away by himself, and then he would get just with the disciples too for times. And and that was very refreshing and engaging to him. And then out of that would come, you know, all the other stuff that you have with people. So it's a balance. So uh, if you're, you know, it's a balance. It's that's what there are times when you can go and and but when there's times when it's not comfortable, um, you know, that's okay too. It's okay. I'm just and you know it doesn't. I never come off. I, I try never to come off as you know I'm better than that or whatever. It's just fun. Just not my thing, and I'm not going to do it. And I can't do everything, so I want to do the stuff where I feel. And especially then, that, that's when you really pray. God, do you want me to, over there? And how long do I need to go? And how long do I need to stay? And, and you know, please show me the first possible moment <laughs> when it's good for me to leave uh, <laughs> and not offend everybody. Um, but you know, it's it's. So I think it's totally okay. So you know, think of it when you go. Think of it as ministry, but you know. Don't, but, and then enjoy it for what it is, and then when you've had enough, you gotta go. I'm tired. So, yeah.
And then some of those people won't remember that you left. <laughs> Hit there early and make a difference in it. Yeah. Yeah, that's fine. Yeah. Your impact over time is by being kind and letting them know that you, you know, you're, you're into it. Yeah. In our weakness, he is strong. It, and it may be because it's detailed. You don't get to use it as often, but it may come out that way. So, yeah, like I said, don't get boxed in. All right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to shut down. I've got to tell one quick kayak story because it came up and I thought of it. It was Donna's story, actually, but I'm going to tell it for her. So, yeah, I hope I tell this right. It's one of my favorite stories. So we do in this kayak ministry, right? And we'd invited people at church and told them to go to Bay Honda. And so to do this kayak thing. And so these people showed up for the thing, and they were all waiting for people and said, hey, we're so glad you're here. And they, they helped them unload the kayak, and they were putting sunscreen on the kid. It was a dad and a kid or something, you know, and just helping them out, getting, getting all involved in stuff. And then finally somehow it came up, you know, that they were, they were doing the vineyard thing, and these people were like, what's that? <laughs> they had no idea. <laughs> they weren't there for what we were doing at the church. And I just love that. that they must have, wow, these people are really something. <laughs> yeah. Wow. They unloaded the kayak. They put on the sunscreen for us. <laughs> Oops. Classic. That's one of my favorite stories. I wish I could have been there. Lord, thank you. You're an awesome God. We love you so much. Have your way in us. Lord, use us. Lord, we, you know, our desires is to be used by you and uh, to make a difference for you and the world around us. We love you and we thank you for who you are. Lord, and so have your way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you guys.